Did you know that studies have shown affirmations can profoundly influence your psychological well-being, enhancing self-confidence and reducing anxiety? Here at Positive Birth Australia, we have crafted a 20-minute birth affirmations track filled with soulful, carefully curated affirmations to empower, inspire, and guide you to deeply remember the power you hold within. And to my fellow belly birth mothers, we have created a track specifically for you to honor that all birth is a sacred moment of profound significance. For only $5, you can download and immerse yourself in our affirmations track to transform your mindset in the lead up to birth and during labor, serving as a potent reminder of the inherent power and love you possess. Visit us at www.positivebirthaustralia.com or head to the show notes and follow the link provided to start your journey toward a more empowered birth experience. Welcome to Positive Birth Australia, a podcast created to empower and educate mothers along their own pregnancy journey. Each week, I'll be sharing insightful and inspiring birth stories and advice in the hopes to help you create your own positive birth experience. I'm your host, Sky Marie. Let's get into today's show. Welcome back, guys. On today's show, I have the privilege of interviewing Anita from the Midwitch podcast and Instagram about her two empowering births. Having only women around her that had birth stories filled with trauma and intervention, Anita honed in on her intuition and decided to birth her first child safely at home with the support of a private midwife. After moving states, she quickly realized it was financially not an option to have a home birth midwife present with her second child, and she wasn't feeling aligned with a birth center. After a conversation with her doula, she awakened that deep knowing within her that she didn't actually need anyone to birth her child, and so began her journey down the path to free birth her son at home. We discuss how she worked through her fears on an energetic level and why she believes intuition is our strongest power as women. Just a trigger warning for some viewers, we do touch on a loss Anita had between her two births. Enjoy this episode, guys. Hi, Anita. Thank you so much for coming on today and sharing your time with us. I have been so excited to do this interview. Me too. Thank you for inviting me. Do you want to just quickly tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, like where you live, who's in your family and what you do for work? Sure. Yep. So I am a mama of two and I am living in Shell Harbour in New South Wales. Um, So uh, we live, yeah, somewhat of an, I suppose you would say unconventional life just in terms of like where we have come, I guess, since our children were born, um, which actually is crazy because my daughter is starting school tomorrow. So that is like, it's huge for us. It's a step into like the conventional life that we kind of were pulling away from. So it's a big shift. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And how, how do you feel about that? Mm, not great because yeah. we always had plans to unschool or to world school. And so COVID, you know, has put some restrictions on the world schooling. And then um, in terms of the homeschooling and unschooling, um, my daughter has been asking to go to school ever since she kind of you know learned about it so we've just kind of you know left that open for her 
um, the last couple of years, but she still was begging to go. So we have had to put all our trust and faith in her that, you know, this is what she needs and, um, you know, who are we to tell her it's not. Mm. But we're also giving her the approach of we're also kind of um, being really open with her that if she does not like it or if she's not comfortable there or if we even see her spirit crushed at all she's out of there yeah so yeah it's it's interesting I like that approach though (laughs) yeah so do you want to just tell the listeners what you do for work yeah so in terms of my work I I've been doing energy work um for a long time and um gathering and facilitating um women's circles and then when I had my children i delved into hypnobirthing um, um, facilitator training, Mm -hmm. uh, which I've moved away from. But I suppose, yeah, my energy work kind of morphed into supporting pregnant women in a different way to what is offered. So Mm -hmm. I work a lot with, um, yeah, the energetics, I suppose, like I call it spiritual prenatal care, kind of the things that you're not offered, obviously, in mainstream. Um, I work with a lot of women who like myself at the beginning just had so much fear around birth and just had a really negative programming around what birth is so I work a lot with yeah women in all facets of of motherhood so whether they're consciously conceiving or if they want um a kind of an uh, pregnancy support that's energetic or spiritual and then um as a birth witness for women birthing outside of the system yeah where do you think all of that fear came from and how did you process it before you went into birth your first child? So it's interesting because I always thought the fear was around birth, but upon reflection and after doing a lot of work, I think I realized the fear was around the medical industry and having my power taken from me. Yeah, right. Um, and then, you know, obviously doing some energy clearing and, um, you know, subconscious reprogramming. I, when I was younger, I had my tonsils out and that was a whole experience. Like my autonomy was taken from me. I wasn't asked for anything, for any permission to, for things to be done to me, the way that I was treated. Um, And I, yeah, I just never forget it. And I think that my fear came from there, but also, you know, the programming at large, you know, what we're told as women, you know, not to trust our bodies and not to trust birth and birth is dangerous. My own birth, um, so my mother's birth with me was, um, it was a natural birth. It was medicalized. It was in a hospital. Um, but she wouldn't say there's any trauma around it, but she did keep a journal around her experience, which is beautiful. And she gave it to me when I was quite young. So, um, you know, I read that when I was younger, but it's, you know, as you get older and your consciousness expands and your understanding, like even the way she was treated by midwives, like just infantilized, they, like even in the eighties, they weren't allowed to get into the car on their um, with the baby, like they had to hold the baby for them and they weren't allowed mm-hmm. to sleep next to the baby and, and they knew mm-hmm. best and that kind of an attitude. Yeah. So I would say that, you know, the fears came from my external world mm-hmm. um, as well as a little bit of that. But then also I had children a little bit later in life, like, you know, after 30, which is not old at all. But I watched a lot of my friends and the women around me um, have birth experiences where um, trauma and, um, yeah, trauma was really normalized. And like, 
intervention was really normalized and and it was interesting to me because the story was always um you know thank goodness I was in the hospital system and I so even true. remember thinking then but it seems like they might have created that so mm. I think this um, experience was a catalyst for this as well I was diagnosed with scoliosis um like when I was in year six so I don't know that 11 or 12 yeah and I was told so many things like I wouldn't be able to do sport um all of these things, I'm going to have so much trouble. And I was even told at that age as well, like, you're not going to be able to birth naturally. Like, this mm. is impossible. People with scoliosis this bad can't birth naturally. Um, if at all, like, as in you won't be able to fall pregnant. It was crazy. Wow. Yeah, crazy are the things that they told me. And I suppose as I saw, you know, my life unfold, I did do sports and I was always doing sports and always fit and competitive sports did really well and then there was other things that they had told me I wouldn't be able to do and I could do so when I kind of started to think about having children it, I had to deal with that I had to think is this their story is there actual truth in this and I had to really delve into that and see whether I believed it or not so mm -hmm. that was probably yeah when things started when I started awakening to things too that you know what we're told and what we believe and what maybe we're capable of are maybe not the same things. Mm, very true. So did you guys plan your pregnancies? Yes, yes. So for both of my children, we consciously conceived. Would you be able to explain that just a little bit deeper for the listeners that don't fully understand that terminology? Yeah, for sure. So, um, I mean, there's different versions of that. I think I do it a different way to some people, but... I suppose it means um, what it doesn't mean is just saying, oh, we, you know, we're just, I've gone off the pill and we're just going to see what happens. That's not definitely not conscious. Okay, right. Um, so consciously conceiving is calling in a baby, um, learning to connect with that spirit baby, preparing, you know, your vessel for conception in terms of, you know, the physical realm, emotional, mental, spiritual um, mm -hmm. and so for me, I had been working a lot with lunar alignment and, um, like earth medicine, the seasons and the cycles. Mm -hmm. And I suppose this is probably where my journey started in terms of working with, um, pregnant women and, and kind of putting that work together, but really kind of getting into the flow, like the natural cycles, the intelligence of nature and just realizing that, well, we're the same, like we are nature. This is the same. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so really, so I consciously is like a, a, a real choice, you know, and asking, having a relationship with the baby that you want to come into your family and like asking their permission and saying, okay, we're ready when you are, instead of like, you know, uh, forcing that or yeah. 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 Awesome. Thanks for that explanation. Once you fell pregnant, did you know straight away that you wanted to have a home birth? No, the only thing I knew was that I did not want to be in a hospital or the medical system. Yeah, right. Okay. And was there anyone around you that had home births that you kind of drew inspiration from? No. No. So even um, like midway through that pregnancy when I, or even later on in that pregnancy, when I started to lean into birthing at home, which to me, like it wasn't even... Uh, I suppose the way I did it was work backwards, um, uh, like home birth. You know how there's like a real culture or like things attached to home birth, free birth, those words. 
for me, it was just like, am I going to just stay at home and do what I'm doing or am I going to go to the hospital? Mm -hmm. Really, that's really what was in my mind. And even towards the end when I was leaning into that, thinking, do I really need to go to hospital? Like, you know, um, there were people around me saying, you're not going to home birth, are you? Um, Mm. And I just said to them, no, no, because I thought I don't don't want their fears impacting me, but also I haven't decided and also I don't want to be judged. Yeah. And none of your business. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) That takes a lot, though. It must have been hard for you to deflect those negative comments, was it? No, I think I was already living my life that way anyway, living as a quite a spiritual person. Um, I was pretty good already with boundaries and knowing what I needed and not really letting other people's opinions um, infiltrate that or affect me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'd already, I suppose, come to a place where my intuition had been developed so strongly and um yeah I just would think you know that's their journey it's not mine that's their story that's not mine it's um what you know this is your business this is my business like I was already there Mm -hmm. yeah and how was your pregnancy with her um like I always say really textbook just (laughs) (laughs) yeah just pretty normal and I think I went to I don't even know I um maybe 39 weeks like yeah I don't even know I didn't I didn't pathologize it even though I had a midwife and I had to go and see my midwife um you know for a couple of appointments and check in with her she'd just do um the recording of whatever she did and I didn't I just never even really asked or really I didn't want to get into the the medicalization of her really yeah was it hard for you to go down that path of home birthing when you had no one around you that had done it before? Yeah. I mean, what would have been nice is to have um, women around me that could have given me the language for what I knew and was feeling. That would have been amazing. That's what I really lacked. But um, I still knew what was right for me. So as I said, I really worked backwards. I kind of looked at the way birth was unfolding and how, uh, what was mainstream and, and like what the options were. But I still didn't stay limited to that. So I thought to myself, I don't want to birth in a hospital. So then I'll, you know, go a step backwards from that. What is that? It's a family birth center. What's a step back from that? And so I I had planned the majority of my pregnancy be pregnancy to be in a birthing center, um, which I now which I now understand is it's essentially a hospital. It's not I mean, I think my idea of what a birthing center would be was like separate from a hospital um yeah less pathologized but it's not really so so that was kind of the plan um yeah I I just kept saying I just kept thinking what are the ways that I cannot be there I mean there was always in my mind if something like I I suppose I would think if if by a very small chance because I was pretty aware of um what the actual statistics were around actually needing like a cesarean or medical intervention. If I, if I did that, then, you know, that I hand that over to spirit or nature or, you know, and then I'm so grateful for that assistance, but I didn't want it to be my default, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So do you want to take us to that first sign of labor with her? Yeah. Uh, so I woke up, I don't know, maybe 10 something. And I just felt a bit like 
crampy and I just went to the bathroom. The same exact same thing unfolded with my son. Mm-hmm. And I think I had like, I think I was expecting, you know, like a um, mucus plug or lots of blood and there was just like a tiny, tiny bit of blood. And I've, ne- I've not had any um, throughout my pregnancy. I know some people get spotting mm-hmm. um, uh, rarely, but sometimes. And I just knew that that was like the sign for me. So I just kind of came back into the bedroom and woke my partner up and um, I had hired a doula. So that's where I started actually. I started with hiring a doula. Um, yeah. And so I, I called her actually, I think. And then it, if anyone's heard my first story, they know like it really progressed fast. So all in all, it was only five hours. Oh, um, wow. Yeah. So the, I didn't have any kind of lead up or <laughs> like, uh, that first stage I feel like was just completely skipped. Like I just had a full on, like a full blown contraction. Um, yeah, just rolled was there anything that you did to kind of ready yourself for labor? Well, I had done hypnobirthing. So I did oh, hypnobirthing um, with my doula and then later became a facilitator myself. So I, I knew um, what to do. Yeah, and I really aligned with Marie Mongan's slogan, birth is not a medical event and, um, you know, only for a small percent of women and mm-hmm. breathing techniques. But um yeah, like I, so I had done all the meditations as well, and I truly believe in those and the affirmations. I mean, practices I did in my life anyway, but these were obviously tailored to birth and, you know, my, my body and my baby. And mm-hmm. so, I mean, I don't think I had anything in place for that first contraction, but yeah. um, I just kind of went, okay, wow, this is coming through me. I never had any fear. Amazing. Like I didn't have any fear throughout my birth. Um, and is that because you worked on all of those fears throughout your pregnancy? Yes. Yeah. Like in pregnancy, I did definitely, even up until the end, I think that's pretty normal, you know, definitely just to explore what still needs to come up. But I'd done a lot of that. And I think I just went into the zone. Mm -hmm. I honestly, um, yeah, the only time I remember like a bit of shift in energy in terms of, um, I wouldn't say fear, but you know, that transition moment. So when I went into transition, I actually didn't know what transition was. That wasn't, yeah, I didn't have any consciousness of that. So when that feeling came through me that, Oh, what's, what's happening is something wrong, you know, and that adrenaline drops in. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I had a, a really supportive doula who just said, this is normal and just brought me straight back into the space that I was in. So, um, yeah, so um, I think I made it out into the kitchen and mm-hmm. <laughs> I really wanted to be in the birthing pool, but there were rules around it, which I I hate that now. <laughs> <laughs> I just got in the pool like it's my house and it's my, yeah. Oh, so there um, was rules around you getting in the pool? Well, I was in a midwifery program. Right. So there's certain rules. You're not allowed to get in the water, Um before the midwife gets there or yeah interesting I did not know that I always just thought you were at home so you were completely in charge of everything I mean you absolutely are still in charge and that's what I mean but I had this other kind of um sense that I wasn't and that's why there was such a difference between the birth with my daughter and the birth with my son um I absolutely was I could have got in but yeah right I was talking about this um 
the other day as well, there was this sense of um, exclusivity for the midwifery program and, you know, that if you were accepted into it that you need to toe the line and if you don't, you'd be booted out, you know. And, oh, yeah. and I suppose for me I kind of thought, well, then the other option if I get booted out of this is hospital and I don't want to do that. Yeah. I just didn't know. Yeah, makes sense. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I hopped in the shower anyway and hopped in the shower, laboured in there, and that's where things really kind of amped up. And then as I got out of the shower, my water broke and my midwife arrived at the same time and then I got straight into the pool because I'd been like, <laughs> I was just the whole time, I just want to get in the pool. I just want to mm. get in the pool. So I hopped in there and then um, – Laboured in there, which was really beautiful in the pool because it felt like it was this kind of space to myself. Like I felt like the outside of the pool was like a boundary almost. Like, um, and so it was just me. I could just be with me and with birth and with my baby, and um, and that's where I, yeah, birthed her in the mm. end. I was actually up on my knees at one point, kind of in a squat, but on my knees, and she was coming, and then I got a cramp in my leg, and I oh no. Yeah, and I never forget, like, thinking, okay, I think it's stalled here because I had to change positions. So mm. anyway, um, in the end, um, my partner Reese kind of received her. Mm. Um, yeah. So beautiful. <laughs> and was it just you and your partner Reese at that time? And did you have that overwhelming feeling of empowerment after just giving birth to her? Uh, so my midwives were there and um, I did like her energy, the energy that she brought was amazing. She like my doula and my midwife just were really hands off and um, yeah, had a beautiful energy. So uh, what did I feel? I mean, prob- I don't know if I had it at that moment. Um, yeah. yeah. I was kind of in that, you know, yeah, otherworldly space for a little while, but it was more when I kind of came back to reality and and you know, um, yeah. I suppose when you announce the news because I hadn't told anyone that's what I was doing. So when I announced the news and when like we were really good friends with our neighbours across the road and they kind of messaged me and said, "There's a, uh, I think the midwife's car had like." something midwifery on it and Mm -hmm. so they said did you have the baby like at home did this just happen (gasps) right in our street and then I was like oh yeah wow that yeah that doesn't really happen does it (laughs) so when yeah I was in my own little zone but when I kind of um connected with everyone else around me and I told them that was when it really um hit home I suppose in that sense it felt natural and and normal to me yes I love that so many women I've interviewed have said a similar thing that they've you know waited for like this overwhelming feeling of empowerment but they're like oh it's actually just so normal and natural like you said yeah to be at home with the familiar sounds and smells and sights and um just uninterfered with that's that's what I would say so it wasn't yeah a free birth because there were medical attendants there, but 100% uninterfered with. Um, I didn't have any checks. I didn't have – the only thing I had was uh, she had a Doppler and she – but she would get me to put it on me. She she knew the importance of um, not having a stranger's hand on your body even mm-hmm. um, and just not even t- like sounds from someone. I mean, she wasn't a stranger. I knew her, but in terms of someone that's not that familiar – um, 
yeah, she, yeah, the sounds, she didn't talk very much. She was pretty quiet. So, yeah. Yeah. So important. Yeah. Very. How was your partner throughout this whole journey? And did he have any of his own fears? Yeah, he did. Yeah. So uh, like I was saying up until, I, I can't remember how many weeks, but right up until the end, I was going to this birthing center and then I just kept saying things like, um, you know, I'm probably just going to stay here if everything's fine. And so I didn't actually use any language like home birth or um, I just was, I was really just leaning into it and deciding as I was saying it um, because no one else was going to change my mind. It was going to be up to me. Uh, And then I just kind of started saying it a bit more. And then I just, you know, at one moment he said, okay, so are you deciding that you're going to stay here? And I said, I just went, yeah, yeah, I think so. (laughs) And then he said, okay, well, there's, you know, I just need to think about a few things here. (laughs) Like, you know, he, he did have some fear and, um, but I was always under the impression that that was his job to work through that. So, I mean, I, I sat with him while, and held space for him while he processed some things, but, um, yeah, that was his, I, I'm of the belief that that is his job to, process that for his own self like yeah as you know I just think about that with partners as well you've trusted your partner to grow this baby this entire time when she knows what she needs and and what is right then you have to trust her yeah. like it's a it's a big test of your relationship how much do you trust mm. this woman um as the mother of your child and who's been growing them up into this point like they they know best you know when they're tapped into their intuition mm-hmm. so there was a few things that he needed to kind of um process so yeah and at what point did you guys decide to have another baby oh so uh, we had a um a loss in between my daughter and my son oh, I'm sorry and yeah it was yeah, it was huge because mm. I hadn't experienced death in that way, well, in that way, but not largely anyway in my life. No one that I hadn't really lost anyone that was um, really close to me. So that was, that really shook us. But it, so I don't know how like kind of deep you want me to go, but I. Oh, whatever you're happy with sharing. I'm, I think it's all still a part of your journey. So it just, whatever you're comfortable with. It definitely is. And I suppose, I mean, in terms of spirituality, because um, like, I absolutely believe that was my son and then he came back and there was a whole period of time in between that loss. And then when um, I conceived again, that I had so much communication with him and he visited me and uh, in my dreams and um, yeah. So that was, it was huge. And I think it was a real preparation for the way or for his birth um, because, and I think this is a big thing to say too, when we kind of think about the fear around birth and what that is and, and most of the time it is the fear of the unknown and then when you really get to it, it's the fear of death. Yeah. Um, absolutely, the fear of dying or your child dying. And once you actually look it in the face, um, 
you can't, there is no way you can control that. And mm-hmm. so I think what happens with a lot of women and, um, and so I'm just referring to this because maybe this was myself that we think that there's maybe some way we can control, you know, the outcome or how it's going to unfold, but essentially like we really can't. Yeah. Um, and so that was huge for me. So then I'm trying to think about what I mean, 2017 then. So I, my daughter was born in 2015 and then uh, he was born in 2018. So I would have conceived with him that second time in 2017 after a lot of healing and a lot of um, processing and communication with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had moved back. So we were, my daughter was born in Western Australia and we'd moved back over east to New South Wales at this point in time. So we had always said we wanted to have two kids and kind of close together, yeah. um, which they kind of are, but for some reason I wanted them closer, which I'm kind of glad that didn't happen. Like I don't yeah. know what I was thinking with that. <laughs> Harder for sure. Yeah, so conceived with him and, and was pregnant over here. Um, I think during his pregnancy I had – I know I had one scan and I think I had one doctor's appointment um, and then a random doctor's appointment with a doctor I didn't know the day of the night I went into labor, okay. which was, which is a weird story. Um, right. Do tell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I didn't want to be in the system at all. So I guess I can tell you in a minute about that point okay. where I decided um, that I would just be on our own mm-hmm. uh, but that appointment yeah the last day I don't know what was happening um, but as I said I hadn't had um, a lot of medical intervention I didn't do any testing anything like that and that day I don't know what happened but something dropped in and I, I called my partner at work and I just said oh I'm not sure about the positioning of this baby I think he could be transverse or um, posterior or like I don't know what was happening it was some Mm -hmm. weird last minute thing and I said I think I want to go to a doctor to see what position he's in and he said okay are you sure because I hadn't really been to many and I said yep I've I've got him he was very supportive he said whatever you need let's do that so I did I went to a a random medical center and I had a lovely doctor but he didn't he couldn't (laughs) like I you know I did all the writing down all of the details and they weighed me and all the whatever all of that stuff and then when I kind of lay down he said I I can't tell what position he's in I was like okay so that didn't really help anyway um he said oh I think you've got a little bit of like a lot of amniotic fluid and I think I did but I wasn't worried about it Mm -hmm. um and that was the one thing he said and then I thought, okay, so I feel like he's going to instill fear into me. So I was like, okay, you can't tell. I'm sure it's fine. He, yeah. I knew babies can turn and twist around and whatever, even during labor. So I don't know why. Like I, maybe I just needed some sort of confirmation that I didn't need that input. Um, yeah. It wasn't very helpful anyway. And it was kind of going the way that it does a lot with medical providers into the fear zone. So yeah. I went home. I was fine about it, went to bed, and then I woke up at would have been like 2 a.m. that morning and went into labour with my son. (gasps) Oh, that's so funny. Weird moment. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God, wow. So should we backtrack a little bit and go back to the moment that you decided you were Mm. going to free birth? So 
I'll start with this. When I was pregnant with my daughter, I had a book called The Down to Earth Birth Book. Mm -hmm. And in that book, uh, as I said, it kind of worked backwards. So it was like medical, well, it had surgical birth, medicalized birth in a hospital, um, and then all the options going backwards. And then right at the very, you know, when we're saying down to earth birth book, like I suppose at the roots level was there was like a picture of a woman out in nature birthing and they called it, they didn't call it free birth. They called it, I can't remember, I'd have to refer to the book, but it was essentially like unassisted birth. Mm-hmm. But for some reason, because there was a photo of her in nature, I had this thing like, oh, I would love to do that. But, you know, (laughs) with my son, it was winter and, um, you know, I don't know if I want to be out in nature or I might want to be inside. It was a really Mm -hmm. weird thing that happened. So I had had this exposure of free birth, but just not the language for it and just not the reference of what and the consciousness of what it actually was. I know that sounds strange, but so it had kind of dropped into my consciousness and but it didn't again until I was pregnant with him and I was coming towards the end of his pregnancy again and I just hadn't really made any plans except that I would do the same as my daughter and be at home yeah uh but then I started to look into you know what the options were in New South Wales around that and um you know either private midwife at home which was going to cost a lot of money and which yeah, I, I didn't feel that aligned with that or there was the midwifery program with the hospital and I didn't feel aligned with that either. So the first step I took was um, hiring a doula Okay. and we were just having a discussion really and I was just talking to her, what are the options? And um, I was talking about this the other day. Actually, I, I kind of just said, okay, so what's the go in New South Wales? Like do I have to have a midwife? And then she just looked at me and then I went, wait, do I, do I have to have a midwife? Um, and essentially because my midwife had just really been more of a space holder for my daughter yeah. um, than anything. And she just kind of looked at me and I said, I don't, do I? I don't need one unless I need one or like need medical attention. And she just kind of looked at me and then I said, wait, I, this doesn't even matter. It's not even related to whether I'm in New South Wales or WA, is it? I can just... And just this was this epiphany that yeah. So I can just birth. What just like it was like all of this programming and everything mm. just like unfolded. How cool! Um, or just released from me, just kind of unraveled, really. Yeah. And then she kind of led me to a few groups of women that were doing this, which is yeah, like you said, what I was kind of lacking with my daughter. I didn't have um, a community of. Uh, I suppose, wise women or women that were walking this path. And then there was, and you know, that, that feeling of being connected to like-minded women, like it's just like coming home. It's just like, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, Everything felt so right. So then I would have decided that, I don't know, it was like, again, towards the end, if not about midway. Yeah. Okay. So I know you had a beautiful birth with your daughter, but were there any fears that came up once you had made that decision to remove the midwife and free birth? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, So for the people that are listening, considering this path, how did you work through those fears? I had to walk through every single one of them. I had Mm -hmm. to look at, I had to actually name them. I had to actually, um, this is also like the way that I work with 
with women as well and my clients like for me I take a very energetic approach yeah as well as just kind of working through them and processing them and journaling them Mm -hmm. um so the reason I work with energy is because when you remove something at the energetic level you remove it from the roots for good um okay so most things that come through to us say it's say it's like a block so sometimes we can see them as a block they will be you know manifested in the physical or in the mental or the emotional realm but they've stemmed from the energetic like that really deep layer so Mm -hmm. um you know you can work backwards you can go clear it at the physical clear it at the emotional clear it at the mental but when you get to the energetic you can clear all 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 levels yeah all levels yeah so it's really, I think it's just really going, what are my fears for a start, looking at them? Is this a fear? Um, is this like a, a fear that is a reality? So, for example, I had a fear of going to the hospital. And to me, that's that makes sense, that that's a true fear. But then there can be other fears that are maybe irrational or not rooted in um, reality, if that makes sense. Um, okay yeah so yeah I mean there's lots and different ways but it's like I said before when you actually get down to it just say there was a fear you know of of something particular happening in your birth and then you look at it and you go okay what is the actual underlying fear here a lot of the times it's like I said fear of my baby dying or myself dying um and then you can look at that and really look at it and and kind of say um I'm just I'm just thinking about some of the things women have told me you know like if if they I I want a midwife at my birth because I'm scared of something happening oh no sorry the language they use is I want I want someone medical present at my birth to ensure that nothing will go wrong well no one can ensure that Mm -hmm. no one it doesn't matter if you're medically trained or not um sure we have different practices that can help um yeah it's you know it's pretty convoluted I suppose for me the essential part of this is releasing fears building intuition yeah. so developing intuition so the stronger your intuition is and the connection to your intuitive voice is the more clear you can define is this a fear is this a real fear or is this just something kind of programming I need to let go of mm-hmm. so true and then, and then you can lean into your intuition and go what is right for me and then you'll usually find it's further away from your fear if that makes sense yeah and so yeah and then um that's the other thing I work with with women in in learning to have those boundaries but also setting energetic boundaries so that no one even thinks of doing that. No one even thinks of offloading that onto you. Um, but then fears are good too and they're a tool because for lots of reasons. But when I'm working with pregnant women and even myself, when you have something that is underlying and within you, if it's a fear, for example, you will be shown examples of that in your reality. So everything is a mirror. Right, so yeah. For example, one of the fears that I had with my son was that transition time. So, you know, when baby first comes out and it takes them um, a little while to physically breathe compared to the way they were breathing uh, within the womb space Mm -hmm. and learning more and more about physiological birth, just understanding that that's completely normal. But that was a fear for me. So I had to walk through that 
And I kept hearing stories about that and it kept coming up in, in my reality because that was something that was within me. But it was a gift because I learned more and more about the physiology of that and, um, you know, through unpacking that fear, like uh, what am I actually scared of? Is this normal? Is this um, okay if this happens? What's the worst scenario? What's the best case scenario? And this is why that it can be a tool that actually happened with my son. Like it took him a little while to breathe. And because I had done this work, I knew it was normal and I trusted in him. Mm. I trusted. So there was no panic no. from you because no. you no. had kind of prepared yourself for it? For sure. And um, But this is the thing with birth. I think that birth presents itself so that you can't be prepared really. Yeah, like, true. Like even though I'd walked through that, it was still real life when it happened. Mm-hmm. For me, it was more the confirmation that if I had have been in a hospital or with a midwife that had fear within her, like if a midwife was present um, and she had within her some fear around that everything could have changed so in the hospital if when that happens which is like I said and um a normal physiological um process um then you know if I was in a hospital they would have taken him off me they would have cut the umbilical cord I probably would have had hemorrhage from hemorrhaging from that cutting the umbilical then cuts off his oxygen and that would have been worse they would have put him on a ventilator would have been separated from him all of those things yeah which is such a common story isn't it exactly and for me it was really confirmation that I'm in the right place like yeah. the normal thing that happens and he's absolutely fine and we didn't have that separation and no one touched him and no one interfered with the process possibly making it worse um, and I mean there are times that on the rare occasion, not the stories mostly that we hear, because this happens a lot, um, where maybe that transition time takes longer than it should. There's a difference, you know. There's a difference um, in when that's a problem and when that's just um, our babies taking their time to drop into their body, you know. Yeah, yeah. Can I ask what your plan of action would have been if a scenario like that had have played out? Yeah, so the one kind of request that um, my partner Reese had was that um, for his peace of mind was to get ambulance cover right. in the case in the case of an emergency. And honestly, that was really just so we weren't stung for a bill if mm-hmm. um, if that happened. So women to know that if you have a midwife and there's a situation that is similar that um, there is a problem. Guess what your midwife does? She calls an ambulance. Yeah. It sounds so simple, but I've never actually thought about it like that. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's either you or them. And let me tell you that because of their training and because they're trained in emergencies, um, I would say your midwife is more inclined to call an ambulance for situations where you are probably, you know, thinking that things are okay. So I think that's important for you. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to point that out for sure. So who did you end up having with you, just your doula? So I had and... a doula who was the one and only doula I knew that would support free birth <laughs> um, because most doulas won't. Most doulas work in the hospital system or with a midwife. That's what they're comfortable with. So when I knew that she was, um, yeah, comfortable with supporting me in a home birth, I knew that she had worked through a lot of her fears and she trusted 
she trusted Bert essentially. Yeah, right. Um, so yeah, it was my it was me, um, obviously my partner Reese and my daughter Say. It was present for the entire time. Oh, she loved it. Oh, and um, and my doula. And honestly, the biggest reason for having my doula there was to help us with Sage. I didn't want her, like me to be needing Reese and Sage be on her own. Mm-hmm. Um, and so she helped. Yeah, she was amazing with her. Yeah, she was with her when Reese was with me, and then they swapped. And yeah, that's um, awesome. Yeah. What was your labor like with him? So three hours. Oh wow! Another quick one. Yeah. Did so, you kind of expect that from your first birth? Well, I'd done um, visualizations with both of my children, and there's a visualization you can do where you kind of ask spirit, "How long will my labor be? What will the sensations be?" And I. For my daughter, it was five hours, and then for my son, it was three. No so, way. how does that work? It's a visualization that you go through, and mm-hmm. like with meditation, when you kind of open it up and ask for guidance around something, it comes to you. So, yeah. and with the women that I've done that with, it's been so, so close to the number every time. Really? Incredible. <gasps> yeah. So, with him, uh, I mean, it was so short. I, I had the same sensations. So I need to go to the bathroom, came back. And then I said to Reese, oh, sorry, I was going to birth out in the back room. Mm-hmm. Um, I was always visualizing having a land birth with him. So in terms like not a water birth. And so I had this whole altar and everything set up in our back room. And when I went out there, because it was in the middle of winter, um, it was just so cold and so open and not the kind of environment that it just intuitively, I was like, no way. So I grabbed all my things, came into the bedroom where, um, yeah, my daughter and my partner were. And I said, yeah, I, he woke up at some stage cause I had candles and, and kind of music going and he knew it was happening. And then he said something like, he said the same thing. He said, oh, it might be a little while. And like he said with my daughter, I said, no, I don't think, so. and I, no, actually I was more certain this time. I said, no, no, he'll be here before sunrise. And he was like, it was almost to the minute of sunrise. Wow. When he that is because incredible. That's amazing thing too. When women are left to birth without external influence or noise, we are the most intuitive we will ever be mm. during pregnancy and birth. Um, and so, yeah, that just came through as a certainty. And the other crazy thing is with his birth um, was that I, for a long time, have been really connected to the Lionsgate portal, which is the 8th of the 8th. Mm-hmm. Um, so if anyone wants to look that up, it's a very kind of spiritual uh, day of the year. I'd always been connected to it. And when I had a few guest dates of when uh, my son might come, but then when he didn't come on those dates, I thought to myself, of course, he's waiting for the Lionsgate portal. And he did. Oh, (laughs) wow. That's so amazing. Yeah. So in terms of how his birth unfolded, sorry, I'll, I'll kind of go into that. I mean, it was three hours. So pretty quick. I was in the bedroom. Um, I went into the shower, I just really like the shower when it's really intense. And so I went into the shower and that's eventually where he was birthed. So it was very fast. Um, was it super intense because it was so fast? Absolutely. Power, yeah. like so much power in his yeah. birth. Yeah. Like it was just this, yeah, there was, I mean, we talk about surrendering and there was a point in time where I was 
thinking to my like I dropped into my the mental space and I was thinking this is more intense than last time and then I just kind of went yeah you have to surrender to it you just have to let it like roar through you essentially yeah um and I did and then my water broke in the shower and which like literally pushed his head to crowning and then it wasn't long after he was crowning I'm thinking like one or two kind of when I say pushes like my body pushed him out Mm um yeah and and I thought I had him because I was on all fours and I wanted to catch or receive him catch him but um I physically couldn't and even though Reese was saying are you right and I said yep I'm gonna do it (laughs) there's no (laughs) way so he kind of reached underneath me and he I mean the fetal ejection reflex just he just flew out like it expelled him out so quickly um it literally was a catch wow what was your daughter like well when as soon as he came out she said baby's here Mm. so she'd really journeyed with me um with this so my partner worked away a lot so it was her and I a lot and obviously in my birth preparation during pregnancy I would involve her in things so Mm -hmm. um like the rituals and things I would do and she would help me out with it and so she really came along for the journey and watching the birth videos and and that type of thing so um she she was amazing she went and we didn't realize until afterwards but I had an altar with crystals on it and she had taken one of the crystals and was holding it when she came into the bathroom and was watching and we didn't realize till we saw the photos and she was holding one of the crystals pretty she's so beautiful (laughs) Did you end up doing anything special with your placentas? With my daughter, I had it encapsulated. Yeah. Didn't with my son because when I did with my daughter, I I did it essentially for um, because I had low iron and I think it helped with that. But what it also did was really increase my milk supply. And I have a feeling that I just um, produce like a, a, a lot anyway. So mm-hmm. my breasts were engorged. Like I kept getting blocked ducts and they were just, there was just way so much milk. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't with my son um, because, yeah, I had, I actually had mastitis once with my daughter or the onset of mastitis. And then I, okay, um, yeah. I stopped it in its tracks, thank God. Um, and yeah, so I didn't with my son. With both of my children, I buried their placenta so whatever was um, left of sage's placenta buried that Mm -hmm. Um, we went down to a beach and dug a really 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 deep hole (laughs) and um gave it back to the earth together we did that together and with my son um yeah we did a very similar thing so we did a little ceremony together um I know a lot of people kind of put it under a tree or a plant in their backyard I just yeah some reason the beach with both of them was yeah yeah Yeah, so I didn't with my son but I can see the benefits for sure I felt uh like my iron was at a good place when I took the placenta um pills and then I kind of found other methods to raise my iron when I was pregnant with my son so I just decided not to yeah yeah that's fair enough so I know you've had two incredible births but is there anything you would do differently if you did decide to go back again um probably birth out in nature yeah Yeah, that's what I wanted um but he was due in the middle of winter I mean I thought about it I considered getting a tent for the backyard yeah I considered like 
um, lots of different things and mm. my body just kept saying you'll be too cold cold's not a good yeah. feeling to have when you're in labor you want to be warm and safe and cozy yeah I would definitely be in nature so the birth the birthing videos I was watching was the birth into being birthing into being videos and they um I'm trying to think of the country they're in but they give birth um in the ocean mm. I can't wow. think of yeah they give birth in the ocean and that was just that was my yeah that would have been like a dream birth but um it was also nice to be at home and to know that that beautiful energy is in that home we don't live there anymore but you know maybe for the next person (laughs) (laughs) yes for sure do you have any advice for any expectant mums out there so the The basis of things for me is intuition. I truly believe that if a woman birthing mother is truly tapped into their intuition, that they would make very, they make very different decisions Mm -hmm. compared to if they're not. And I've seen it, like I've seen it with, with a lot of women. Um, So to become reconnected to your inner voice, but not only to become reconnected to it, but to learn how to trust it mm-hmm. and how to like turn it up and call on it um, and believe in it. Yeah. So, yeah, I think a, a, that voice, you know, has been drowned out by external influences and um, just the world we live in, so much noise and yeah, so true. Um, stuff going on. And I think that women... Yeah, I just know that that makes such a huge difference. And and the underlying theme of my entire journey was that connection with my intuition. So that's why I teach that now because, you know, to pull one thing out that threaded through all of it was that. And there's so much science behind that as well around um, how our intuition as as birthing mothers um, heightens and, and, you know, the reasons for that so that we can keep our child alive so that we know. Yeah. The meaning behind when people say we know how to birth, like we know how to do this, like birth is not new to us, it's just we've forgotten and um, we just need to remember it. So, yeah. Yeah. amazing advice. Some of my listeners may not know this, but you're actually a host of your own podcast. Do you want to just tell the listeners what it's called? Yeah, so my podcast is The Midwitch, um, and then where we kind of hang out is at the midwitch on instagram as well amazing it's such a great podcast i've like i've said to you before had my own perspective shifted on certain things just by listening in on your conversations it's amazing yeah that's why i love having different women on there because i mean i can say it until i'm black and blue um but to hear it from other women that have walked different paths and different perspectives and interpretations it's important it's um and and their stories as well it's story medicine you know that's where we learn as women story medicine I love that well Anita thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wealth of knowledge and your two incredible birth stories with us it truly is an honor to have you on Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on and um and for holding the space for me to share my stories like it's not um accepted or welcomed in a lot of places I don't know if people realize that like I couldn't share my birth stories for a long time it wasn't what people wanted to hear it was um of course yeah so thank you thanks for holding that space that brings us to the end of today's show guys regardless of whether you are interested in free birthing or you're planning to birth in a hospital setting there are still some really great tips and knowledge you can take away and utilize for your own birth journey 
You'll also find some super interesting conversations over on the Midwitch podcast and Instagram page. I highly recommend you guys follow. Also, guys, I love to hear your feedback in any form. So please let me know what you think of today's show or any of the previous women's stories. And I'll see you guys next week for another episode of Positive Birth Australia. Bye.